Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. Hi, this is uh, Cheryl, and this is the Feathered Desert, and today's uh, subject is the Northern Cardinal, its first cousin, and no relation at all. We're going to talk about the Northern Cardinal, the Phylloxia, and the Phenopelia. Phenopepela. Phenopepela. All right. She was practicing for a while. I was. I was practicing and practicing. So, yes, the Northern Cardinal does thrive in Arizona, along with its first cousin of the Southwest Desert, the uh, Phylloxia, which is often confused with the Cardinal. Now, the Phenopepela mm-hmm. is not in the cardinal family at all, and the Phenopepela female is often mistaken for either the cardinal female or the Phylloxia female, and we'll, you'll learn that in this podcast. So today we are highlighting these three birds together to help give our listeners some tips in identifying the birds you are seeing. And what these birds do have in common is one, they all live in our Southwest desert. Two, they're fiercely territorial over nesting sites and foraging areas. And three, all three species are monogamous as pairs will keep each other close. Males in particular are a little OCD about where their girl is. (laughs) And both the Northern Cardinal male and the Phylloxia male are noted for feeding their mates as a sign of affection. And Kirsten's going to go right into the Northern Cardinal. Yes. So the Northern Cardinal, I find it very interesting. This Cardinal is pretty much found all over the United States, but we still call it the Northern Cardinal. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) We're, We're big in, scientists are big into changing scientific names, but not common names. So we may all have to band together and just start calling it the Cardinal. Um, so Northern Cardinals, um, are found some places in the valley and some places not in the valley. Uh, most of the time where we see them here, they're going to be in backyards. Um, that, and they'll be a common visitor to your sunflower feeder, sunflower seed feeders. Mm-hmm. And that does depend on your specific type of feeder. Um, they don't like small little perches. They like, um, slightly heftier perches. Or if you have a, um, hopper feeder that looks like the little house or a tray feeder that makes them feel more comfortable because they're a bigger bodied bird. But most of the time, if you have a backyard that butts up to a park, a woodlot, or like a shrubby forest edge, that's when you're going to see your cardinals. Like Gold Canyon out that way. That's where I've seen them. Yes. I uh, live in Apache Junction and I don't even have them there. So I'm not quite far enough out with enough trees. Um, Gold Canyon has more trees than when you get out towards um, Superior. And up into uh, Boyce Thompson. Yes, exactly. You'll see them a lot more there. And we do have people that come in occasionally to the store and live right in the middle of Mesa. And they're like, hey, we have a cardinal. And most of the time it's it's a traveler through, but that's all right. So the male cardinal, most of you guys probably know what this looks like, is large, long-tailed bird with a short, very thick bill and a prominent crest. That's what we all remember. And the one thing that we do know is that they're bright red. Pretty much their bodies, their whole bodies are bright red and they have this nice black mask and a little bit of that mask goes down onto their throat. So adult males use their hefty bill and tongue to extract seeds by cutting or crushing the shells. 
The female cardinal is just the same size as the male, as uh, a crested songbird as well with a short, thick bill. Females are more brown. They're going to be pale brown all over, and they're gonna have warm reddish tinges on their wings, their tail, and their crest. Not to confuse you with the bird that's gonna come after this. Right. So keep that in mind. It's gonna be warmish red. It's not gonna be a bright, bright red. It's gonna be kind of almost rusty color. So the female cardinal is one of very few North American female songbirds who sing. I thought this was interesting. Yes, it's blowing everyone's mind right now because we're all taught that females don't sing. Well, as we do more and more studies as the years go by and we give, pay more attention to the differences in different birds, females do sing uh, in the cardinals. So the female will actually sing while sitting on the nest to give her mate information about what food to bring to the nest. <laughs> kind of like a grocery store list. Exactly. <laughs> so when pregnant ladies are at home and they're like, I need pickles and I need ice cream or I need this and I need that. Exactly. That's what she's doing. So a mated pair actually may share song phrases between them as well. So kind of like old married couples that can finish each other's sentences. <laughs> the same kind of concept. Um, but the female may actually sing longer and slightly more complex songs than the male. Uh, birds are more like us. They are. we think. We look a little closely yes. and it gets a little scary. Yes. Uh, so cardinals <laughs> do not migrate. They're not migrators. So once they settle in an area, that's where they stay. Uh, and they don't molt into a dull plumage during the winter time, like some of our other um, birds here, such as our lesser goldfinches. They're bright, bright, bright in the spring and summer, and then they molt into uh, duller fall colors, but cardinals do not do that. So what you see is what you get all year long. They do have a molt, because every year they do need to replenish their, um, their feathers, because uh, just like us, you know, your clothes get a little dirty. And so they do molt, but it's only once a year. So cardinals tend to sit low in shrubs and trees, or they forage on or near the ground, often in pairs. That's generally where you'll end up seeing them is that bright red in the bush. And you're like, what is that? And you look over and it's a cardinal. And if you watch them long enough, they will eventually get down on the ground. And of course, the male cardinal is infamous for fiercely defending its breeding territory from other males. And even if that is its own reflection. We've all had this moment where it's come to our window and it's looking in and we're like, oh, it sees us. No, no, it doesn't see us. It sees another cardinal and it goes into a big fit. And I've even had them when I lived on the East Coast, they would sit on your car yeah. and go after your side view mirrors. Yeah. And you're just like, little birdie. No. <laughs> but uh, Such that, a waste of energy. <laughs> it is such a waste of energy. You just want to put like a little sign up there that says, this is not another bird. <laughs> but they do do that. And um, it does work for them because it's incredibly important for them to have good breeding territory. Um, males will also frequently spend hours doing this imaginary fighting. So sometimes if it becomes a problem with your windows, of course, you can soap them over so he can't see his own reflection and that you can wash off as soon as breeding season is over or you can get the little sticky clings. And then of course, if they're going after your car windows, um, maybe put a little towel or something on them when you go in for the day and then it'll keep him away and he'll go spend his energy somewhere else. But this is another interesting one. Our Northern Cardinal is actually so popular in the entire United States that it's the state bird of seven different states. Yes. So once again, another reason why we need to stop calling it the Northern Cardinal. <laughs> it's just the Cardinal. <laughs> All right, so Cheryl's gonna tell us a little bit about our Perluxia, who often gets confused with the female Cardinal. Yes. So the Perluxia 
has dapper good looks and a cheerful song, but this toughest nail songbird is a staple of our hot baking Southwest desert. So the adult male is a stocky, medium-sized bird, so it's actually a little smaller than the cardinal. Uh, it's a songbird with a tall, elegant, elegant crest, so its crest is a little different when you, when you see it um, put it up, and it has a long tail. It has a heavy but short seed cracking yellow bill. And that's important because the first thing you'd want to look for between a cardinal and a luxia is the cardinal has an orange bill. Yes. And it doesn't change colors. It's orange all the time. All males are grayish overall with red highlights on the wings. Hence you see the confusion. Crest and the tail as well as red mark and belly um, markings as well as a red mark and a belly stripe. The adult female Phylexia is grayish with red highlights on the crest, wings, and tail. And often both sexes, as Kirsten mentioned, um, are confused with the female cardinal. Exactly. The key is to look at that bill. Yes. And another comment about the bill, you're just about to talk about that it looks a little bit heavier. Yes. And also when, if you look at where it opens, when a cardinal's beak opens, it's nice and flat on yes. the bottom and the top. The perluxia is going to be nice and curved. So that is a big, big key. Yes. So Cheryl's going to tell us about that beak. Oh, well, I'm just going to say that the phylexia is going to have a heavier parrot looking bill. Yes. And almost sometimes um, it can get confused with the cross bill. Yeah. Well, we don't have crossbills here as often. No. So hopefully in our area, not so much. But. No, no. But um, it um, it does um, inhabit um, areas where the cardinal is and where the phylexia sometimes will, those, the cardinal and the phylexia will overlap their areas and the crossbill is in the, uh, some of the higher elevations ah. of the cardinal area. So that was just a notation that I read. For Lexias are often an opportunistic and omnivorous uh, bird that forages on the ground as well as in shrubbery, eating seeds, fruits, and large insects. Phylexias are fiercely and vocally territorial, but in the winter, they forget their disputes and forage in large flocks up to a thousand birds. And I've seen this because when I go down um, into Tucson in the, um, the lower elevations in the Suora National Park, um, I do see the phylexia, but I usually only see pairs. Oh. Pairs here and pairs there. But when I go up to the Lost Dutchman, where mm -hmm. there have more trees, I can see them nesting together in twos, threes, and fours in one tree. Oh, gosh, I've got to head out to the Lost Dutchman more often because I have yet to see a phylexia. And it's, it's, on, it's on my list. It's on my list of Arizona birds to see. Um, phylexias and the male cardinal cardinal overlap territories in some parts of the of Arizona and they don't but they don't fight with each other so they only fight with each members of their own species oh that's interesting so that's I thought that was interesting so you know family relations they do get along exactly there you go <laughs> all right Kirsten talk us tell us about the uh phanopepala oh, yes got it good good job uh this is our Last bird that we're going to talk about that looks very similar to cardinals, and people often refer to the Phanopepala as the black cardinal, which they do look very similar. But this is a singular bird of the southwest. The Phanopepala is a brilliant sight in flight, which we're going to tell you how to tell the, what they look like on the wing. Phanopeplars are the only U.S. representatives of the family Tolonganatidae, 
or telonganatid, um, which are the silky flycatchers. So not at all related to cardinals. They're in a completely different family. And they're not related to any other North American flycatcher because we do have other flycatchers in our country. Their nearest common relative in the U.S. is the waxwings, such as cedar waxwings, which very rarely come through um, Arizona. And if they do, it's up north and where we have a lot of our berry producing uh, mm -hmm. trees that are um, all clumped together. Um, the Thanoplepilla males are silky black and slender with an elegant crest and bold white wing patches that appear when the bird takes flight. So if you're kind of like, what is that black bird sitting up there? I'm not sure. And it starts flying and you see these bright wing patches in this black bird, then that is the Phanopepala male. Uh, females are actually slender, uh, about the same size as the males, and they have a long tail and kind of a shaggy crest. Not quite as elegant and big as the male, but still a crest. Uh, females are dark gray all over and they have white edges on the wing feathers. So not the bright white wing patches. Um, both sexes have red eyes. And also the males and the females have kind of a glossy sheen to their feathers. So kind of like that oil slick kind of look on them when if you're looking at them and the sun's right directly on them. I think they're beautiful. I think they're absolutely lovely. They're so interesting too um, with what they eat. Uh, they actually live in desert washes where they eat mainly mistletoe berries. So I know just a couple of blocks down from my house, there's some uh, trees that have mistletoe growing on it. And honestly, I didn't even know mistletoe, mistletoe grew in the desert until we moved out here and we're like, what is that weird stuff up there? It looks like just the stuff we had in um, Maryland and it's mistletoe. And when we saw the Phanopepala for the first time, it was in one of those little mistletoe bunches up in a tree. I was so excited. Um, so they actually have a specialized digestive tract that helps them to digest the mistletoe berries, which are poisonous. And they are able to get the nutrients out of that without the toxins harming them. But they have to eat a lot of these berries because there's really not a lot of nutrition in them. But the other reason that they actually do that is uh, stay in the mistletoes is they eat the insects that are in there as well. And that's where they put their nests, which can be uh, a great place to keep them safe and secure. And then like there's bugs like all around you that are in the mistletoe as well. So you just reach out, grab a little bug and feed it to your babies. So the Phanopevla can be seen sitting high up on a tree branch waiting for an insect to fly by so it can swoop in and catch it on the wing. That's why it's called a fly catcher. So fly catchers in the family of fly catchers, or if you are considered a fly catcher, it means that you catch bugs on the wing. And it's very incredible to watch. They swoop and, and tumble and everything and they're grabbing little bugs. So one of the ones that we have here that's really very common is the Says Phoebe. Mm -hmm. And it's a type of catch the bug on the wing bird. So you guys might've seen something like that in your backyard but they're not related to the Phanopepala. Uh, the Phanopepala behave very strikingly different in their two main habitats, which also makes this bird fascinating as well. In the desert, it's very territorial. It actively defends its nesting and foraging sites, but when it's living in woodland areas, it is a colonial nester with several nesting pairs sharing one large tree. Right. And that could probably be based on the fact that in the woods, they might have more opportunity, um, higher resources. Uh, as opposed to the desert where sometimes you're really struggling. But I don't know. We don't know that for sure. 
So phantom populas are also mimickers. They will actually mimic the calls of other birds, including a red-tailed hawk. Northern mockingbirds, which is interesting because they're also yeah, a mimic. I that too. So yes. They're just mimicking other birds that are mimicking other birds. Um, they'll also mimic northern flickers, the gambles quail, the morning dove, the verdon, acorn woodpeckers, scrub jays, and American kestrels. All birds that are in their own habitats. Right. So I thought that was really interesting. And it they're is. very good at it. They are. I am sure the phanopepala that we walked by one day, we... Uh, didn't look up several times because we probably thought it was um, a northern flicker because when we'd walk past that area we were just like oh it's another woodpecker which i love my woodpeckers but we weren't actively looking for them and then one day we actually looked up and we're like hey that's not a woodpecker and it was very very cool all right so those are our three cardinal cardinals two cardinal like birds and then the cardinal and we also want to restart our plant spotlight we haven't been doing that on a lot of our podcasts and Cheryl's going to get us started off with her choice for this week. Thank you. So we're going to, I'm going to uh, highlight uh, the desert lavender. It's native to the Southwest and uh, Southwest like South Texas and Mexico, but also Arizona. It's a gray leaf shrub that can grow. I didn't realize it could grow this high, six feet high and four feet wide. So that can cover a lot of space. So it's great for a black yeah a back wall um in your backyard lovely lavender scent after rain and when you brush up against it um low water once established um plant it before june gets here please yeah um, definitely that, yes um needs well-drained uh soil and full sun to encourage dense growth while partial shade produces sparser fo foliage so it looks a little uh leggy um but still works. In spring, a small purple flower blooms that attracts hummingbirds, bees, and native and, um, well, native bees and honeybees. And the compact growth that it has is something birds like for nesting sites. So, nice. I don't know if birds, what, what their sense of smell is like, but maybe that's something they enjoy too. Yeah. You know, I have a potted one on my patio and I enjoy the lavender scent. Yeah, lavender is supposed to be very soothing. <laughs> so not a lot of songbirds have, I think, a real sensitive sense of smell. Although, as science is going, we're finding more and more of them actually do have a sense of smell. So I don't know. Maybe the ones who are commonly found in desert lavender do like it partially because of the scent. Who knows? All right. Well, that is all that we have for our cardinals and friends. And thank you guys for joining us on the feathered desert.